here's the thing about metal, as I understand it, the the gulf between a per, like a band member as a civilian just interacting with people and band member on stage is massive, <laughs> like in terms of what they are doing, and then also the gulf between the audience and the way they dress and the bands and the way they dress is Almost zilch. Zero. Yes. Yes. Like the show that I went to at Carmelo's the night before your birthday, you could tell who was in the bands because they were wearing like, they had like great haircuts and like cute boots and they were in like cool, cute female pop rock bands. Yeah. And then here it was just like, everyone was dressed literally exactly the same. <laughs> but there's comfort in that. Yes. I mean, heavy metal, uh, heavy metal means community. It does. Heavy metal means family. Yeah. All right. Shall we get started? I will take one death. Size mega, please. Mega low mark. Mega low death. Welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing on lead guitar, it's Dave Mustaine, a towering figure of heavy metal, icon, iconoclast, a libertarian libertine. Mustaine went from founding member of Metallica to lead singer, guitarist, and songwriter for thrash metal mainstay Megadeth. And we'll be diving into his heavy metal lifestyle of selling weed, shredding riffs, and digging through vomit for drugs from his book, Mustaine, a heavy metal memoir. Wow. Molly, I've just got one thing to say. Yes. Potting is my business, and <laughs> business is good. Business is good. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Yeah. Um, not as good as, not as badass as killing, but, you know, at least I feel like we can start on the same page uh, together with the, uh, the, the rating of our business acumen. Yes. I think killing, if... When the killing business is good, that's like a very optimized, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what's the profit margin on uh, killing? On killing? Yeah. What are, what's the investor um, <laughs> prospectus well, that's for Q1? That's the thing. If we assume that he is, uh, I, I, if he was going to say that killing is a business, so he's mm-hmm. probably like some kind of assassin, right? Yeah. It's just hard to scale, you man. know? You can't, you, you can't uh, uh, yeah. iterate and, you know, uh, really go, uh, you have exponential growth with your hitman business. Yeah, that that looking for that hockey stick growth is like yeah. I think you would you, you would have to really disrupt the industry. Yeah, it's more of a boutique luxury service. You <laughs> yeah, know, that it involves a lot of one on one client uh, uh client uh, uh, contractor interaction. Yeah. it's you know? curated. It's a curated experience. It's yes. um you know like the offices are full of like uh, Palo Santo scented candles. A beautiful Danish receptionist. Yes, absolutely. If you want the ki- if you want the killing done right, yeah, and aesthetically pleasing, yes, you're going to have to go to a high end luxury boutique service. Yeah. yeah, none of these mass market killers. No, no, absolutely not. Business is bad. Anyway, what are we talking about today? We're talking about Dave Mustaine. <laughs> talking about Dave Mustaine. We're doing heavy metal. Someone I, suggested this in like the early. Yeah, this was early like one days. of the third. Uh, like after the third episode, somebody was like, "Do Mustaine's do, do Mustaine's book?" Like he's he's nuts. Yeah, I think that was the the suggestion. Is he? Um, he's very like he's he's got all his marbles. Like he's <laughs> he's a very clear sighted dude. Um, last episode we talked about uh, Jeff Tweedy and whether uh, 
how how Tweedy doing lots of extensive work in therapy has definitely shown in the way he talks about his life. And I would say Dave Mustaine has done a lot of therapy oh, yeah? as well. Oh yeah, he's been in. He's, been, he's gone he's been, in. He's been on the couch. Mm-hmm. He's, been, he's hit the couch, yes. Uh, yeah, so this is a, a very early request. This is our, our first, well, I guess you could call like Sebastian Bach a heavy metal guy. Yeah, but that's like a, a little of like, metal. Oh, yeah, that's more of like a glam uh, hair metal type thing. This is this is our first like real metal, metal. guy. Metal, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to dive into it. I don't know a ton about Mustaine. I was going to say, a what's your relationship me- with Megadeth? Uh, basically non-existent. Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, I always I was never like a metal a metal person, but I had like an arm's length respect for them. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not for me, but I get it. Yeah. Although I, I guess my judgmental side of it would be uh you know kind of one of those things where it's like I don't know I don't know how you can be a a, a fan of like specific gradations of heavy metal. You know, heavy metal is like electronic music where. Yeah. There are fourteen hundred genre genres yeah. of it, and they all have very specific fans and defenders, and, and the, beats per minute, and beats per minute. Yeah. And the fans of uh, thrash do not get along with the th- fans of doom or death. Yeah, and they all and they both uh, think that each other are uh, pussies. Yeah, well, yeah, different different flavors for for different cones, as it were. Yeah. Um. No, I I don't know anything about. I didn't know anything about Megadeth other than I knew the name of the band was Megadeth. It's a pretty good name. It's a, it's a great name, and yeah. the spelling enhances it as well. Yeah. Um. He. I. The more we. The more I read about this stuff, the more I think oh I'm God. digging I into the just genre. Realized that yes? it's D. It's not D E A T H. Oh yeah. It's de- death. Megadeth. Mega Megadeth. Mega That's how you say it if you're from New Zealand. <laughs> um, no, the uh, the more I read, the more I, I think I'm digging into like what it means to be a metal band that started in 1982 versus 86 <laughs> versus 89. Yeah. Those are like, those are three very, very different bands. Yeah. And I'm because like, I'm all... finally wrapping my head around what that means. Yeah, because that genre thing happens where there are like a by time three years have passed, like a thousand new micro genres of metal yeah. have been created and they all uh, disavow the one that came before it. Yeah. But like, I, if you ask me, like, when did Van Halen exist? I'd be like, I don't know, the 80s. <laughs> I'm sure so, like someone will tell me. But now I'm like, Megadeth is like a, it's like a mid, mid, mid 80s. Yes. But like, even the difference between like 85 and 86 is, is crucial. See, uh, see, this is why, uh, why it pays to be a ska fan because ska just three waves it's easy easy to sure. remember feminism yeah just like feminism three and, more than three waves count me out buddy yeah. too uh, many waves btfo uh <laughs> we're all but though are thus us true believers are all waiting patiently for like the return of christ for yeah. the mythical foretold fourth wave fourth wave of ska someday it is coming the, the a new dawn will rise a, a, a wave will will wash away the sin of this world of the in the fourth wave of ska the conditions are I would say right now are better than they've ever been, but that <laughs> yes. doesn't mean they're good, you know? <laughs> like the pants are weird, the politics are bad. Yeah. And who knows? Yeah, black and white checkered bucket hats are you, gonna come back in a big way. You know who should do a sky album is like uh Miley Cyrus. Yes. <laughs> if she's just if if she's just genre hopping and yeah. appropriating everything, she can start appropriating Scott culture. Yes. Please appropriate Scott culture. I think she could bring some some interesting energy to that mix. Uh I can't wait for the Scott the ska culture call outs to come. <laughs> <laughs> From oh uh, guys in their thirties who still exclusively wear vans. Uh, <laughs> stop appropriating ska yeah. culture yep yep 
Oh man. Uh, so I don't know. Should we talk? Should we talk about? Dave? Yeah, let's talk about Dave Mustaine. What's Mustaine's deal? So I mean, first of all, I think it's important to say I I'm for, I'm going to take you on a journey. Yes. And I want to say that I, this is the one of the most and introducing books. Yes. Of of all time. It hits all the quadrants. It hits all the quadrants and probably creates some quadrants that I will then like <laughs> notice in the future. It's, like, it's an icon. As I said in the intro, he's an icon and an iconoclast. It's true. Yep. Um, so you're, there's a, there's an arc, there's a theme, there's like, he, it's, I don't think he's quite aware that he's writing this, but there is a sort of like ignorance that dissolves into, uh, wisdom by the end of this book, um, where he, he, he's good at like telling you what kind of mindset he's in at the time of things happening. Great. Um, so we see some growth, we see some maturity. Um, let's, let's get into it. Do we get it? Where, Chris, where do we open? Uh, him passing out on stage. No, that's Damn. a good guess, though. We open with him falling asleep in a rehab facility and waking up with his guitar arm completely numb. Oh, no. And he, like, fucks up some that's nerves. His, that's his shredding arm. That's his, Yeah, he fucked up his shredding arm. <laughs> he said, and he says of this, he says, if you're looking for bottom, this seems to be about as good a place as any. Although I'd be the first to admit that the bottom has been a moving target in my dark and twisted speed metal version of a Dickensian life. <laughs> oh, Oh, we're doing it. <laughs> Speed metal Dickens. Speed that metal sound, Dickens. That actually sounds great. Yeah, no, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, and he also early, he he describes his sort of his life philosophy and says, uh, James Hetfield once observed with some incredulity that I must have been born with a horseshoe up my ass in terms of how lucky, <laughs> how lucky he, he is. is. Uh-huh. But yeah, here's the that. thing about having a horseshoe lodged in your rectum. It also hurts like hell. <laughs> and you never forget. Let's it see there. how long we can stretch this metaphor for. <laughs> Pros uh, can fix a flat on a horse. Uh, cons <laughs> chairs. Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's lucky, but it's a it's a painful. painful it's a painful luck. luck. Um, painful luck. The Mustaine story. Yeah. Well, he. Not many people name the their books after their own name. So yep. this is this is kind it's of a, it's a bold call. Yeah. Um, Dave is born September 13th, 1961 in La Mesa, California. Great. His, uh, parents split up pretty early. His mother is a Jehovah's witness. Mm. Uh, they grew up very poor. She's a maid. They, he and, he and Prince. Well, oh, oh yeah. Something, there's something kindred, in there. Kindred spirit. Yeah. I think maybe nine times out of 10, you just keep being a Jehovah's witness. And yeah. then one time out of 10, you just go really left. Well, Jehovah's witnesses is like a really tough to leave. If you leave Jehovah's, they like shun you. Yeah. I think you're, once you're out, you're, you're like out. out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Your well, like family stops. Dave is, you. Dave is out. Yeah, although he, it seems like his mom was still, I'm not sure how, how that worked, but he eventually did not uh, uh, she's participate. One of those fly, fly by night Jehovah's. <laughs> she's a fair a fair weather jehovah fair weather yeah. witness um <laughs> his his father is uh, a severe alcoholic uh the he is out of dave's life pretty early uh when dave is just a teen he dies of a cerebral hemorrhage after falling down in a bar oh god um it's and, a real alcoholic's way to go yeah and dave mustaine responds to hearing that his father is in the hospital on life support by getting wasted driving his motorcycle to the hospital and then showing up and disappointing his entire family god cool yes uh that's the that's uh, the environment he grows up in not not, not friendly great. not great um he basically early on he 
he just gets into like dirtbag life because there's no other option for him. He doesn't yeah, want to well, hang out with his Jehovah's Witness 1977 mom. 1977 in La Mesa, California. Yeah, that's just, he he starts selling weed when he's like an early teen. He's basically like effectively out of the house, like on his own, you know, look, emancipated by he, the time he's like 15 years he's old. He's making his own way in life. He's uh, operating a small business. He is co- creating financial independence for himself. He sounds like an entrepreneur to me. He's a small business owner. Yeah, he is. Drug dealers are small business owners. This is canon. Yes. Um, He, but he's interested in music. Uh, He says, and he just, I don't know, he grows up and he just wants to play guitar because he finds that attractive. He said, I like the feeling of having a guitar in my hand, making music, being part of something. Joining a band was about camaraderie as much as anything else, I suppose. And sex, of course. Ultimately, when it comes to rock and roll, it's always about sex. Yes. (laughs) I mean, like if you're like a dirtbag teen in late 70s La Mesa, California, and you're looking at your options like, what is going to make women want to fuck me? Not doing what I'm doing, yeah. but if I did what I did, I'm doing now with a guitar, yeah. now we're talking. Yes. It really does. It, in term, If you're thinking of people people and their attractiveness on a scale of numbers, perhaps one to ten, yeah. guitar, being good at guitar takes you up at least two and a half. Yeah, that's a good plus two or plus three. And when you're hovering in the four to five zone. Oh yeah, that's a big jump. That's a huge jump. And Dave Mustaine is a good-looking guy. He's got long, flowing hair and sort of a an innocent farm boy who's but who's also seen too much. Face. Again, uh, uh, we were talking about this uh, like right as we started recording. It is just kind of funny to me that all these guys who came at the, up around the same time, like all the Metallica guys, Mustaine, they all have like metal guy body. Yes, they're like thick, sturdy, stout. The, the hair, corn fed, the the big arms and wrists. Corn, they all look corn dog fed. Yeah, corn dog fed. Yes. Yeah. I just don't know how how it, it, I understand like them all having a, a like you know similar backgrounds and that might draw them together, but yeah. I don't know how they all still look the same. Yes, forty almost forty years later. Yes, and there, there's very few people who look better than in their prime. Duff McKagan, I would say, yes. is one of them. Although He's he did aged. look pretty amazing yeah. at the time, but yeah, there's a consistency there that has nothing. I feel like it doesn't really have to do with like exercise, eating habits. Yes, I don't know or plastic surgery. There's just some metal guy phenotype. Yeah, yeah. Um, he so he bounces he's in California he bounces back and forth between like staying with his sister in Idaho in Idaho he's targeted by violent bullies because they found out that he does martial arts ah uh, yes that's right Dave Mustaine does not mix martial arts and commerce but he does mix it with his he, social life he is he uh, is at the the dojo the altar of uh, the spiritual world of martial arts mm-hmm. and the uh, spiritual world of shredding riffs yeah yeah he, I, I'm sure that must be like as a child, especially when people find out that you do karate. Oh, great, cool! I'm just gonna come and sock you in your fucking face. Yeah, did face. he win these fights? How good he, was he at martial arts? He, um, he refused to fight the bully yes. that like called him out, like or tried to fight him. Like he basically did the like martial arts like dodge where you're not supposed to engage. Yes. You're supposed to be on the defensive and just like wear them out. But then he's so annoyed at this guy that he. Um, he does some, he, cur- he curses him. He does some black magic. Amazing. Uh, he, he basically makes a voodoo doll and he breaks the, like he tears the leg off and then the kid gets hit by a car oh and breaks his leg like <laughs> a month later. A wizard? I don't know, man. That's amazing. He, so he, he, and he says he's like between Jehovah's Witnesses on one end and like da- dabbling in Satanism on the other, like his spiritual life is all over the map. Yeah. And it's confusing. Well, good. He has this spiritually balancing, uh, practice of martial arts martial arts keep is him centered really yeah yes. it, it is it is in the center um so D- teen dave like he gets more into music he starts forming bands 
Um, he he says, I got into rock and roll for the lifestyle, not because I aspired to great musicianship. I didn't sit around waiting for people to come up and say, gosh, Dave, you arpeggiate so beautifully. <laughs> well, I mean, he does. <laughs> he does. But I think maybe he's seeking that yeah. now. He's like, mm. he's like, hey, check out these fucking arpeggios, though. They're pretty, pretty fucking good, aren't they? Yeah. Um, he answers an ad. <laughs> yes? Yeah, as a teen, as a teen, I was just a cool dude to hang out with. But these arpeggios, though. These riffs. Yeah. Hello? <laughs> These harmonics, my God. Uh, he he looks in the classifieds. He sees an ad uh, seeking a guitarist. The uh, the ad say, says you have to like, or it would be helpful if you liked Iron Maiden. Yes. Motorhead. Yes. And Budgie. I have no idea. What is Budgie? <laughs> Budgie is a Welsh band. And perhaps like he's saying they might be the first heavy metal band. How do you spell budgie? B-U-D-G-I-E. Like a parrot, I guess. Budgie. And Dave Mustaine is like, I like budgie. <laughs> this guy likes budgie. I like budgie. I like budgie. I like budgie. Uh, um, hey, I like budgie. <laughs> that sounds uh, bad. Sounds uh, like a, yeah, should like we listen to some? Uh, yeah, pull up a budge. A budgie. Yeah. Uh, let's let's just listen to some uh, song called Guts. Mm. Is this like late seventies? I would assume. Kind of in the yeah, Led I'm, Zeppelin territory. Seventy one. Seventy one. Early seventies. Yeah. It's pretty thick on the low end, Chris. Oh, it's- very thick on the low end and believe me I'm enjoying it yeah this is very like uh, early 70s British yes this also basically uh, uh, this also basically sounds like uh, what they were making fun of in Spinal Tap oh yeah well Mustaine later, later says he's like, oh, I think they were making fun of Megadeth when they were. When they <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, they're making fun of a lot of things. Yes. Anyway. I he, can, feel, I he feels personally attacked by Spinal uh, Tap. I feel attacked right now. I shouldn't be alone. Um, okay, so that's Budgie. So he's like, all right, this guy rules. Who's the guy who put out that ad? It's Lars. Lars Ulrich. Lars Ulrich. Uh, that, so that's, this is how Dave gets into Metallica. Uh, we should, you know, as you mentioned in your intro... Dave Mustaine, founding founding lead guitarist of Metallica. Yes. At the time, it was Lars, James Hetfield, and then another guy who eventually left. They got the, whoever the bassist was. Yeah, he got yeah. replaced by Cliff the, Burton. The Pete, the Pete Best of Metallica. The Pete Best. Well, I mean, are you saying that's Mustaine or that's the bassist? That's the other guy. The yeah. other guy that who we don't even know the name of. It's kind of kind of yeah. Uh, he Dave is not in Metallica anymore. Yes, I don't know if we, you know I, this. I, no, I, I see the uh, the twist coming. It's a, this is a theme of his life is that he's, he's not, not in, in Metallica. Metallica, and honestly, there's probably Dave, Mustaine the not being in Metallica story. Yeah, yeah. There, I, I'm sure that there's a lot lot of ink spilled about this over the years and yes. various rock gossip rags or what have you i'm sure you know dave said some things lars has certainly said some things yes i don't like you know we we take a sort of a, a micro approach to these things where we're basically just treating the text as the uh, yeah, yeah as the sacred thing so so you, we're getting the mustaine take we're on. getting the mustaine take um and the mustaine take is like basically i was a founding member of metallica and i don't get enough credit for the way 
Metallica was and the yeah. what they became. So he, he, the argument that he wants to do that he wants to give is that like Metallica's sound is he's very responsible for. Yes, he was a a songwriter on like four of the tracks on their first album. Yes, and like he just says that was kind of like swept under the rug, and so that that's his take. And then Lars's take is like. Dude, shut the fuck up! Like, like you, you're not in. We we fired you, and you're not in Metallica, and you've never been in Metallica for any of the parts that, that have mattered. Matter. Yes. So that's the that's the dynamic we're dealing with here. Uh, I ha- I was a founding member. I was there in the very early years. I was responsible for the uh, for the formation of the sound that and development of the style that would later become the world uh, conquering metal sound of Metallica. Counterpoint. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of. Um, this uh, when I you know when I, st- I studied abroad in uh, the Czech Republic and the second largest city is uh, Prague, second largest city is Brno, and there's a joke <laughs> that's like people from Brno are like, oh, you people from Prague, like you're so stuck up, you're so like, uh, you're so extra, like oh my god, like I, you're just such assholes, we hate you, and then Prague people say Brno folks, like we don't think about you at all. Yes, Prague is like who? Yeah, <laughs> Pra Prague is a is a who? Or no, Prague is a them. Uh, and Bruno is a, a who. Yeah. There you go. So I mean, I guess that that is basically. I mean, Mustaine might be over his long career, uh, long enough to move into them territory. But yes, well, he he's coming at this from a who a who mindset. A who mindset. Yes, he's got who mindset. Um, and because I mean, as as big as Megadeth is, Metallica is exponentially and all, yes. always has been exponentially bigger. So that that's what we're dealing with here. Um, he talks about his time with Metallica with like kind of a combination of like nostalgia and disdain <laughs> yes. uh, and, bitter, deep, and deep bitterness, bitterness and pride. Um, he says that Lars Ulrich uh, owns pornography that is quote hardcore European strangeness. Girls getting fucked by baseball bats and milk bottles. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is like back in the uh, early eighties, so you have to be like a, a pretty deep researcher and connoisseur. Oh yeah, pornography to, to really get that kind of stuff. You have to be on some hot mailing lists. Yes, <laughs> you uh, you have subscribed to some weird magazines. Uh, well, yeah, I was gonna make some bad joke with fake Danish in it, but I'm not gonna do that. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he when he auditions, he, it's like so casual. Like he just basically he describes it as he just riffs in a room by himself while James and Lars are watching TV and drinking peppermint schnapps in the other room. <laughs> and then like after a while, he goes in. And he's like, I thought we were gonna like play together. And the guys are like, You're in the band. <laughs> so that's You're how we good. got in. Um, but easy come, easy go. Uh, he says he once saw Lars take a big bite of sandwich, chew it up, then lean it over and spit the cud into James's gaping maw. Oh, God. <laughs> I think he relishes giving these little like, like these weird details about that, Metallica. That is a, a weird uh, view into the relationship between between those two guys. Yes. Hey, dude, chew my food. Bro, chew my food for me. You want to come up? Give me a little sandwich. Give me a little bit of sandwich. <laughs> um, Bro, share a bite. Bro, a little bite. <laughs> they moved to San Francisco to to work with Cliff Burton, who's the bassist. Yes, uh, Cliff lives in SF, and he's like, "You want to work with me? You got to come live live where I live." So they moved to SF. They start playing shows, getting a little attention. This dude, this concert promoter named Johnny Z in New York City, like yes. gets in touch with them. That is, is like a, that is a classic concert promoter guy name. Hell yeah. He's like, come out to New York. Like, we'll eat steak. I'll like it, book you a bunch of shows. Like, we'll just make your New York debut like fucking huge. I like the uh, I like the um the 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 temptation of steak of being like, look, 
We're gonna make. We might make you a big band, but if not, at least you get steak. You get some steak. Well, they they went to New York and there was uh it, there was steak, but it was very very poor poor steak, not oh, good okay. steak. Yes. Uh, jo- Johnny ends up being a guy who's like technically in a halfway house and only gets out for like day <laughs> trips, um, for undisclosed reasons. But he books them a bunch of shows. Imagine. So these are like their first East Coast shows. Imagine there's like probably a couple maybe at this point like 100 or 200 people who I saw Metallica in 1984 yes. in New York at a place with like a 100 capacity yes. club. Good for you. I was there. I was there. I was there. Uh, Should we listen to some of the stuff from this time period? Yeah, let's listen to something from, I feel like they have an, either an EP or their first album. The first album, uh, 1983's Kill Em All. Great. Uh, we will listen to a, a, a Mustaine penned track. Great. He has writing credits on this. This is uh, Jump in the Fire. Great. Not my, the other Jump in, in the jump Fire. Into jump the into fire. the Fire. Uh, mm-hmm. one, one of my faves. Mm. But uh, this is uh, the Metallica <laughs> Jump in the Fire. Yeah, riffs. Riffs, fast. Yeah. Crashy. What do you want? There we go. Yeah, I Yeah. I don't know. Great. Probably, ra- you know, radical yeah. for the time. Probably fun to watch. Yeah. Not not punk, not uh, blues. <laughs> Excuse me. I just Googled. I was just like looking up James Hetfield to see if there's anything happening. And uh, it autofilled James Hetfield, Ted Bundy. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> he's, uh, he's in a, a Ted Bundy movie. Yeah. Is it um, the one with Zac Efron? I guess. It, it must be. Yeah. It's his first ever acting role. Congratulations, James. Congrats, James. James, <laughs> James Hetfield. I was just like, oh my God. What, <laughs> what happened? Uh. Um, yeah. I, good good music to uh, see at a dingy club or, I don't know, drive real fast uh, in like a, a shitty uh, 80s hatchback yeah. through uh, country roads. Do some donuts in a parking lot. Yeah, that kind of music. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's on this trip to New York. That Dave realizes that his his days with uh, Metallica have come to a close. Oh yes, April eleventh, nineteen eighty three. I got I was wrong. It's not eighty four. It's eighty three. A, a day that will live in infamy. Yeah, he was. Uh, they he woke up and they all the band members were like standing over him, being like, "Time's up." Time's up. Hashtag me too. Ta- no. Take the long walk uh, walk off of the uh, short the plane. short <laughs> the short bus. They kicked him out. They kept his like nice gear like his amps and shit they like kept them and he was like you need to send that shit back they sent him they packed him on a bus with no food no money no water no <laughs> nothing like, back to, a bus back to california from new york from new york Jesus. four days he was begging for like money and snacks <laughs> snacks yes wow he well, so what he's happened? been talking he they were just like he he his th- his take on it is that he considers himself a band leader. Lars considers himself a band leader. There can be only one. There can only be one band leader. But he was just like he does. He I feel like he still doesn't quite understand it. But 
he spent his entire life talking about not being in Metallica. Right. That's a very traumatic experience from which to get that take. Yes. Four days in a bus and all you can think about is how the people that you thought were no, that's, your blood brothers. Yes. That's some like fairy tale punishment shit. Yeah. 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 The, the sending him off with no money is like real. Yeah. Uh, fucking dick move. hours. Yeah. Yeah. Dick move. Indeed. Dick move. Um, no, I could see how that would imprint on somebody's yeah. brain. But he also comes up with uh, the name Megadeth uh, on the ride home. He, what he's thinking about the, his former bandmates. I wish upon them Megadeth. <laughs> Not just death. Megadeth. Megadeth. Death it's, is too good. I need something bigger than death. More than death. The ultra death. The Megadeth. Megadeth. Uh, do, do you know where the name actually comes from? No. It's a, it was from a California senator writing a, a pamphlet sort of treatise about nuclear arms. Oh, well, that and, makes a lot of sense. And having uh, nuclear weapons cause Megadeth. Megadeth, yes. Uh, they, they would and they do. They would and they do. And, uh, uh, if anybody wants to get real scared about nuclear weapons, I highly recommend uh, reading Command and Control. The history <laughs> of... Uh, is that the name of that thing? Command and Control. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was. Didn't they also turn it into a movie? Oh yeah. Series? There's there's a uh, there's a documentary version of it uh, on Net Netflix, I think. Yeah. Uh, but the book is better. Cool. Uh, read it and get real scared about nuclear weapons. Yeah. Chris loves to think about nuclear In, weapons. imminent nuclear death. Yeah. Megadeth. Megadeth. I do love to think about Megadeth, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> um okay so he he gets home and he's immediately like i am starting another band and this a, a time spite band spite band that's kind of yeah do you know what spite houses are no spite houses are when you have like a small enough plot of land that you can build a house but it it's just like fits in between two other houses and it's like a spite house yes like it's just mainly to like annoy your neighbors by the fact that you're taking up your maximum property yes Spite house. Spite house. Spite band. Spite band. Uh, buh, buh, buh. uh he so he's like, yeah, let's 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 rip rip shit and bust. Let's do this right. He I will say this. There are so many personnel changes in Megadeth yes. that I cannot keep them straight. There I have about two, you know, Christian names written in my notes right now. <laughs> there are it eventually is there are 18 people that shuffle in and out of Megadeth over the years. I will I will tell you this. The list of uh, members of Megadeth is so long that on Megadeth Death's Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. usually the format of band listing goes members, past members, yes. and it lists the past members of the band. Yeah. On Megadeth's Wikipedia page, m- under past members, it links to a whole nother article no that way. says list of Megadeth band members. And this article itself is maybe uh, 800 words long. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That's some really good, um, some really good data, data management organization. Yes. Oh, my God. The- <laughs> <laughs> it's, it just keeps going. Yeah. List of Megadeth ba- band members is, uh, is a good Wikipedia article on this. Yes. yes. Um, so he, he's trying to build this band. Uh, I, if it seems pertinent, I will mention members by name, but okay. usually I, I feel like I honestly don't have to. This book is called just, Mustaine. Just <laughs> Just know that it is uh, a, a spite-fueled 40-year-long project by Dave Mustaine. And any and anytime I mention a band member, it, uh, Dave probably hates them now. <laughs> Almost assuredly, he does not like these people. So this is where we start getting into like Dave's 
quirks that I will call maybe they're not quirks maybe they are negative personality traits uh, foibles perhaps For, yeah so like he's talking about building this band he finds a drummer and he the drummer he fires him because the drummer is has darker skin and he tells everyone that he's Spanish okay. he later finds out that the drummer is mixed race half black and he fires him because he lied about it he's like if he lied to me about this what else is he going to lie to me about? As I if mean, uh, paranoia much? Structural racism might yes. influence this guy to yes. maybe not be super upfront about his uh, background. Yes. Uh, not a great look, Dave. Okay, Dave. He also um, doesn't let other people in the band if they have the sort of metal glam look with like makeup and stuff. Yeah. Um, he says, if you're a guitar player and you dress up like a chick, you aren't a metal guy. You're a metal cross-dresser. Okay. Well, so he's, he's also not a great look. Dave. Not a great look. I just have to get this all out there because, I mean, he puts it out there. Yes. Um, oh, is, is Dave canceled? He... We'll see at the end. We'll see at the end. Uh, he, in classic band form, he has a Coke dealer that becomes Megadeth's manager. Oh, yes. Never a bad move to promote your drug dealer to manager. Yeah. But again, small, drug dealers, small business owners, small business they have owner. the management experiences. Operations. Yeah. Director of operations. Director of operations. Yeah. You know, I guess it works. It just doesn't. It, it seems like it would, a good idea, but it never is. Yeah. No. Yeah. Just because they're there and they you see them like exchange money with and stuff. They have so many good ideas, man. We've got I got just got so many management ideas that I can tell you about. And I feel like then they after like a couple of months, the other they're like, hey, man, do you think I could like sing backup or something on this song? <laughs> Remember Anthony Kiedis threw his his dealer on, on one, of the one of the songs. Tracks, yes, uh, good times. That's maybe the uh, uh, well, he, the dealer didn't end up managing the band. But no, that, that is a pretty uh, big leap for a dealer. And well, and it was it was payment. He was yes. they were short on money, and they were like, "Why don't you just be?" Uh, do you think that? Do we talk about this? Did he, does he Did get, he get song writing, songwriting credit and get royalties? It was on the the terrible first <laughs> album, right? Yeah, it was like one of the two one of the first two albums that were just like yeah, not not quite good. Anyway, he manages to assemble some form of lineup. Meanwhile, his drummer, Gar. 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 Is that just a one word name? Um, he's got a last name. I don't, I don't, I don't remember it. <laughs> Gar uh, tells him, he says, if you want to be a great musician, you have to try heroin. You'll see. It's like being back in the womb. Dude, always, always trust the uh, music, the music and lifestyle opinions of Gar. Gar, Gar knows, <laughs> Gar knows best Gar this knows fall best. on NBC. Yes. Try some heroin. It'll make you a better musician. I do the the like opiates as womb slash mom is some, we didn't even really talk about it on Jeff Tweedy's uh, memoir, but that's something that he said. He's like painkillers gave were like a maternal embrace. Oh my god! And so there, I feel like there is this kind of connection with like people seeking out maternal love through opiates that in this particular genre yeah. of people where it's like, my mom was a Jehovah's witness and like we had a weird relationship. Heroin will uh, now, always love me. Now I need to return to the sweet womb of heroin. Yeah. I just like that. You, that's interesting. Yeah. That's something, that's something to track. Yeah. So that this is a new, a new, um, new bingo category. Yeah. Her heroin mommy issues. Heroin moms. Uh, so he, he gets into heroin. Cool. <laughs> Normal. Nice. Uh, it's going to go really well for him. Yes, I I love the conscious decision to get to get into heroin to improve well, as a form of self improvement. Right. Oh my god. Um, as Megadeth is kind of getting their shit together, Metallica is really getting popular. Yes. Um, and then Dave says he says without my songs and my solos, without my energy, I don't know that Metallica ever would have become the band that it was. <laughs> uh, so he's still like he's aware of their parallel trajectories. Uh. 
Megadeth's first album is called Killing Is My Business, and Ellipse, biz- and Business is Good. Good! Exclamation point. How's business? Business is good. Um, do we want to pull oh, something yeah. else off of that? Yeah, let's go ahead and listen to the title track, Killing Is My Business. Great. And business is good! Yeah, I like this better than the early Metalli- the yeah. Metallica stuff. I mean, it sounds fairly stylistically similar, but uh, man, I might just like this song better. Yeah. The energy is quite quite immediate. I like, at least in the beginning part, I like that kind of like shuffling rhythm to this. Wow, tempo change. What is yeah. this, sicko mode? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Really, really flexing with these... Uh, these riffs yeah and and it's fucking impressive that he plays these things and sings at the same time it's very impressive I was listening to a bunch of Megadeth uh, this week and I will say that I don't find Dave's voice particularly uh, 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 strong yeah Uh, not compared to most other like metal vocal guys or at least thrash metal vocal guys right not bad but it's not the strongest point but it is clear that it's like so, singer, guitarist, songwriter. He's just like, fuck it, I'm doing everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, this rocks. Yeah. Good job, Dave. Good song, he, Dave. He says that the early days of Megadeth are like riding a rocket. Chris Poland, I forget which, Chris Poland, I think, was a another the rhythm guitarist. Chris Poland says it was like being in the movie Fight Club every night. <laughs> Which part of the movie Fight Club? Uh, <laughs> Hallucinating an alternate personality? I think I think the fight I think the fighting? I think the fighting. I think the, like if the, you think of a band the, as a fight club. The economic terrorism? <laughs> right. I don't think they did any of, of that. And I, th- I don't think they paid close enough attention to Fight Club. Yeah, well, if you think of Fight Club as a movie where a bunch of guys fight, then Yes. Yes. But it, it it does sound so like it's they're not early like being in the movie Fight Club. It's like being in a, a fight, fight club. club. Yes, it is not. It does not have the like uh, plot developments of of the actual movie Fight Club. It is just about being in a fight club. Fight club yes, it it sounds like a, a a just a stream of consciousness: drugs, alcohol, fighting, yelling, and having sex. But it, there's not even that much. Honestly, there's not much sex in this. Yeah, like it's not like even Sebastian Bach. I feel like we didn't talk about it as much, but like he was constantly bringing ladies to the hotel room and tying them up in weird positions. <laughs> like, and I feel like at the beginning of this, Dave was like, "Rock and roll. It's all about the sex." Am I right? And then I just like I don't know. <laughs> and that, and like by the time he gets to his uh, right after his second act, he's like, "Rock and roll. It's all about the vengeance." <laughs> I mean the sex. What? Yes. What? Uh, here's I. Okay. Here, here's some more and introducing bingo for you. One night, uh, they were opening for someone, and they made a jibe on stage about like the club security, like being dicks or whatever. Sure. And he's like, you know, people we love the crowd loves that. They love when you yeah, yeah. make fun of the people who are ta- trying to take away their yeah, drugs. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, when the band returned to their dressing room, they found all of their food and alcohol had been taken away. We no. found we found only a few half gallon containers of milk. Oh no! Why 
the fuck is milk such a continuing theme in this show? Why is there milk backstage at metal shows in the 80s? Why? Why? What was the deal with metal and milk in the 80s? Did, was this just... Was was this some kind of dairy council like <laughs> placement of like oh yeah we gotta how do we sell this milk I don't know we'll just put it in every dressing room of every arena uh, yeah. in America I don't know that's so weird half gallons of milk Why? maybe is it co- is there coffee is there coffee is for, for like I don't the think workers so. maybe there's oh like had a weird connotation about like milk and like manliness or childhood like it seemed like it, it seems like it always appears yeah. in these like contexts where it's supposed to be emasculating or yeah. something oh you, oh you wanted your whiskey all you oh, get you, is milk all you get is milk you baby <laughs> want milk just imagining like a fucking like metal basis being like what you you come in my face with milk you bring milk in my face man what the fuck you mean with all this milk shit man because <laughs> that's, that's the thing is like once you start screaming at someone about milk You've yeah. already lost. Yes. You're yelling about milk now, yeah. Dave. Now who's now who's the baby? Now who's the baby? Yelling about your milk. Another bingo item is that um you know, we know that Dave likes martial arts. He also starts studying at the dojo of Benny the Jet Urquidez, the oh, same yes. sense Duff McKagan sensei. Oh my god. This guy, we need to find more Benny out about jet. this guy, yeah. Benny the Jet Urquidez. He's like he's a martial arts guy. He does he's did stunts for movies like he's clearly deep in the Hollywood the scene. LA like rock movie scene and yeah seems like a cool dude yeah he seems awesome Hollywood sensei good is a good profession also deserving of like so many accolades for dealing with these cranky weird rock stars yes I'm sure Duff was like pretty chill but I guess the only way who better to handle these dudes than this guy who's just like yeah chill I, and I guess still. I, again like thinking about the uh the mat the inherent masculinity of like 80s metal uh, i feel like when you're thinking of like the meta the the hierarchy of man if you're like a metal guy you're like yeah i'm one of like the the, the manliest dudes in the world right now i'm a heavy metal guitarist yeah the only other guy i could imagine would be like i don't know karate sensei oh, like, a, like a ninja yeah like someone who could like chop me in half yeah with one his of those hand. guys who breaks boards with his hands yeah. like that guy i could probably i could probably deign to respect yeah it's true that's funny um Megadeth, they keep chugging along. Their second album is Peace Sells Ellipse, but who's buying? <laughs> Love the ellipse. They're rocking the the punctuation and hard. And also, you know, truly a thought, thought-provoking question. Yeah, I mean, truly, yeah. Mm-hmm. The title track's intro is also the intro to MTV News for 10 years. For 10 years? And uh, according to Dave, they shaved off just enough time. They cut it off just before they would have to pay royalties. So oh Megadeth ain't seen none of that money. Uh, here is. I lo- I've, I've been in really enjoying this. I've enjoyed this one a lot. I, I go to court when I have to. I'm just reading the. Wow. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that spoken word uh, intro a lot. Mm-hmm. I. I don't know if it's supposed to be more serious than it is. It seems like what in, uh, suicidal tendencies is making fun of and institutionalized. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> Just not your kind of 
What do you mean? What do you mean I hurt your feelings? I didn't know you had any feelings. Yeah. That's, Damn, man. You know, that's a that's a tough conflict. I love to think. <laughs> I do like love the uh, the tone of his sneer, and I love this chugalug. Uh, yes, riff. Classic. Yeah. 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 I'm into it. Peace sells, man. But who's buying? Who's mm. buying? Ugh. Certainly not us in America, caca. <laughs> Dave says Megadeth is obviously getting more and more popular but he says it wasn't enough for Megadeth to do well I wanted Metallica to fail yes exactly spite band yes spite band um, it's around this time of the second uh, Megadeth album that Cliff Burton dies in the tour bus accident of Metallica uh-huh. uh, so that's traumatic so here, here's what came of this Dave writes this song called In My Darkest Hour uh, and he writes that about find after finding out about uh, Cliff yes. Burton. But he says, the lyrics were as much about the struggles within my relationship with Diana at the time as they were anything else. And I wrote a note in my Kindle edition that was, who the fuck is Diana? <laughs> he has not mes- uh, mentioned her before He has this. mentioned her twice. <laughs> and it was so, you know, yeah. blasé as to be whatever. This is a woman he dates for six years in the 80s. Jesus. Uh, from like 1980. 19- Basically, like 1984 to 1990. Like, basically, the entire beginning of yes. Megadeth. And I just I, I just thought that was such a perfect little mustany thing to do. It'd be like, oh, you know, I, I wanted Metallica to fail, but I felt bad that this guy died. And so I wrote this song that's kind of about that, but it's also about my relationship with this woman that you don't know anything about, about at all. This is in my dar- darkest hour. Great. I love that. That heavy metal acoustic guitar. That's oh, how you know. So that's good. how you know it's a serious song. Serious, yeah. That's how you know we're gonna feel something in this song. What's La- that? Last Ex- one was extreme, a thinker. This one's a feeler. Extreme more than words. Yeah. That's that was oops all acoustic, mm-hmm. but not oops. That song was yeah. great. Arpeggiating. Arpeggiating. I gotta say, I really enjoy the uh, the bass parts in these songs. It's that budgie influence. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I, I I feel like the bass is very well integrated into these things. It's not just chug-a-lugging in the background. Yeah. You know, there's like some melodic lines. I always like a little uh, uh, bass forward melodies. Yeah. Yeah, nothing says deep emotions like uh, intricate descending arpeggiated uh, scales. I feel, I feel bad about a lot of things. things. I just got to do some scales, man. I just got to get these feelings out through scales. <laughs> The more fame and success they experience, the more absurd the band's relations are. At one point, uh, I re- I realized I misrepresented it. It wasn't it wasn't Dave digging through vomit with his hands. It oh, was yep. Chris Poland, okay, the guitarist. Well, it's still uh, part of the heavy metal lifestyle. Yes, uh, he had done. Chris had hidden some extra heroin in a closet. Dave had gotten wasted and vomited in a clo- in the closet. <laughs> yes, of course. And then the Chris, vomit. Chris Bowen was like, oh, no, and like started digging <laughs> through the vomit, being like, where's my heroin? Oh, no. Ugh. Gross. It's never a good... Once you once you touch I just also, vomit, you're not in a good spot. Yeah, I also just uh, enjoy the idea or the, the mental image of Dave 
wandering around some party house feeling like he needs to Ralph and instead of uh, getting to a uh, sink or bathroom, just opening a closet door and being like, yeah, this is not the hallway. He shares another anecdote of being on tour in the UK where he's not used to the light switches in the (laughs) hotels and he pisses in someone's suitcase. (laughs) Classic. There's always one of those, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, Whoopsies. Uh, Band members are continuing to re- revolve in yes. and out. Because they're um, all like, uh, after a few months, they're, they're all like, uh, Dave, I feel like this isn't as much of a group project as much as your your uh, fiery, spite-filled mission to yeah. somehow defeat Metallica. Yeah. Or, you know, that that and also like, hey, Dave, like, I really enjoy playing music, but I don't know if it's a good idea to suffer through like fist fights every night. Yes. And getting my suitcase pissed, suitcase pissed in in well, order look, to get through this. If you're going to be in a metal band, you can't really complain about the suitcase pissing. That's true. That, that's like base level uh, uh, tour, touring band stuff. It's endemic. That's a Ma- f- feature. The constant fist fights, I think you can uh, afford to get a little upset yeah. about. Uh, they So Chris Poland, the vomit digger, they replace him with a guy who they basically like because he has really good access to drugs. Okay, great. So, this so is, again, the, the two strains of this uh, are uh, revenge and continually pulling the band closer and closer to the source of drugs. Yes. This guy wasn't a dealer, but he basically might as well have been. Sure. Then they replace that guy when shocker he doesn't really work out uh with his guitar teacher okay so the drug guy's guitar teacher who's dave describes him as this sort of like lame like almost like renaissance fair kind of man sure uh kind of like a who's the guy in new york city blank blank will teach you guitar dance oh yeah dan smith kind of like a dan smith type if anything yes uh and he joins dan Dan smith will come into your house tie you down and teach you guitar he will there is no talk. way to stop this. No, yeah, There's it's not. It's inevitable. Once you look, it's like the ring. Once you look at the sign, the sign, Dan Smith is coming to your will, house. Will teach you guitar. You will find someday, somewhere, he will track you down and teach you guitar. There, there's a a through line of just exasperation on Dave's part of like not finding people who are aesthetically heavy metal yes. enough for him. And at, at the worst, he's like transphobic, yes. and at the best, he's just like. Why can't anyone just be fucking cool? <laughs> like just wear just wear like sneakers and a pair of pants. So it what well, it is actually a concerted decades long effort uh when I look at current Megadeth press photos to find four guys who look exactly like him. Yes. Yeah. I mean more or less. <laughs> yeah, he just wants to create the world in his own image. Yes, he does. Um you'll I think you'll really enjoy this anecdote. They are at a show in Northern Ireland. Great. Uh, and Dave is, he's wasted and he's ta- he basically talks out of his ass. So he he kicked a guy out of the venue for selling bootleg Megadeth t-shirts. Well, great. Yeah. Uh, fan-made, not okay. Yeah. And this guy was being like, no, 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 we're, we're, uh-oh. we're raising money for the cause. <laughs> no, you don't understand. Like, this is this is for the cause, Dave. Yes. And Dave is well, like, get the, f- get the fuck out. Uh, like, wait, which, which cause? Well, that's the thing. Something clicks in his head. He's yes. like, that night when he's playing, he it Megadeth covers Anarchy in the UK, which we should yes. listen to after this. Yeah, uh, he introduces their cover of the Anarchy uh, Anarchy in the UK by saying, "This one's for the cause. Give Ireland back to the Irish." Yes, and he says this creates a red sea. <laughs> of Catholics and Protestants in the fucking audience like <laughs> railing against each other because he he just heard in his head like the cause the cause the cause yes the cause i support it yes <laughs> yeah you're you're somewhere in northern ireland 
uh, nondescript whether you're you're in a Catholic or Protestant island, and you're like, yes, I support <laughs> the cause. <laughs> Yeah, sure. I don't. I don't really know why. This sounds. This honestly sounds like a Weezer cover album to me. I'm like, yeah, you are. You're covering it. Yeah. Yes. Another ellipses. Uh, ellipses explanation point album name. This is so far so good. Dot dot dot. So what? So what? I also have to compliment Megadeth on their extreme consistency of graphic design on their album covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, all feature, featuring the legendary character Vic, Vic Rattlehead. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. He in early in the book he he was talking about we, I think it was their first album. Yeah, do we know where Vic Rattlehead was, came from? He did he make it up? He might have taken credit for it. I think he might have at least come up with the concept, even if he didn't draw it. Which, of course, is a rich tradition. <laughs> yes. A, well, remember Slash uh, yeah. is rumored to have designed the Guns N' Roses. Yeah, chief logo. graphic designer. Chief for, graphic. Yeah. yeah. It's like Brockhampton. Yeah. <laughs> you get, you know, you got your your MCs, your producers, and of course your creative, creative direction. Yeah, creative director. You. I mean, if I ever a one stop shop, I will design all my own graphic shit. DIY or die. Yeah. Gotta, you got to jam a con I do, though, love the idea that he made, he conceptualized it just uh, looking at this a horrified, horrifying metal-plated skull-headed thing and just imagining it, Dave like talking to a writer and be like, okay, so this is what I'm imagining. It's a skull, uh, and he's got like sunglasses, but they're not sunglasses, sunglasses. They're metal sunglasses, and they're bolted yeah. to his face. Yes. Also, chains. <laughs> you, th- you, you, you picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah. How many uh, how many rounds of revisions? Yeah, I'm gonna need here? forty rounds of revisions on this. Um, amazing. He embod- he embodies the phrase "see no here, you see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil." Oh, okay, I get it. Um, I get that. Oh, that's that's actually that's kind of clever. Yes. I see it. Okay, so uh, yeah, he he did he drew the original drawing. Uh, yes, wonderful. Cool. Very heavy metal character. Congratulations to Dave. All right, so by the late '80s, early '90s he's like spiraling. He's in like a very deep drug addiction. Um, He gets DUI. He's in and out of rehab constantly. Uh, He eventually, he describes one rehab that sort of takes. And, but then he's like, Oh no, I don't like, I created this whole band on the concepts of like provocation and confrontation. And now like, I feel like I'm, he, he says, I, uh, I had become the hole in the donut trying to live my life in peace with those around me. Oh God. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I get, that is the thing of like if you get into this, you get into drugs specifically to be a hardcore guy, yes, and then build your lifestyle around it, and then try to be clean in the middle of it. I understand how that would be doubly difficult. Yeah, where's the the animus of the yeah of the whole metal lifestyle? Um, but he he gets sober for a while. Um, he marries a beautiful woman named Pamela because all women named Pamela are beautiful. Yes, this is just a rule. Yes. Um, I should mention uh, Pamela, once, very uh, very uh, rock star wife name. Yeah, they're all Pamelas and Suzannes. Yeah, Pamela they're all Suzanne's, goddesses. Yeah, they're I I bow down to them. Um, he 
once again, as I mentioned on our last episode with Jeff Tweedy, Jeff Tweedy uh, devoting so much book space to his lovely wife is an inspiration to me and should be to us all because these women had to deal with so, so much, much garbage. Yes. And poor Diana, who was mentioned like five times total and never, we don't know what Diana is like, what her personality <laughs> yes. is like, what she looks like, anything, any kind of like anecdote other than she inspired maybe a song once uh, the, the the part of one song that wasn't about Metallica. Yes, he was with her for six years. They broke up, and then he was he married Pamela the following year. So he got he got in there. He surprised. He basically he proposed to her, and then was like he planned a surprise wedding in Hawaii. Okay, uh, he. <laughs> He was like, the hard part was like finding a size one wedding dress for her in Hawaii because like uh, the population of Hawaii is larger and like we couldn't find it. And I'm like, why are you making this poor woman search Have for a wedding dress, emergency yeah. wedding dress? Like chill, Dave, maybe do it in a month. Yes. Give her some time. Just Surprise wedding seems extremely stressful. Very stressful. Um, he... He wrote a caption in a, of a photo in, of them together, and he said, I wrote the song, the hardest part of letting go is saying goodbye for her. She said she didn't like it. <laughs> Do we want to listen to that, a hard, little bit of that? The hardest part of letting go is saying goodbye. I feel like by the early 90s, we're getting into like real metal ballad yeah, hours. Yeah. Let's see if I can find that real quick. <laughs> Who up? That's also one of those, uh, you could tell that that's a, an important song because it could go either way. The hardest part of saying goodbye is also letting go. Yeah, sure. Right. Right. It's two different, you know, letting go, saying, saying goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, I like those acoustic drones in the background. Ding, ding. Ooh, strings. Ooh, yeah. Here we go. Such a pretty face. Radiant. I saw you across room. I knew I had to have you. It's true. That, that's basically how the story goes in the book. might not be the right one this is the heart the hardest part of letting go sealed with a kiss sealed with a kiss the, yeah is this the is this the origin of let it go let it go let it go Yeah, this must be right. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, uh, a little corny. Yeah, he doesn't quite have the range for this. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe not your best lane. Imagine playing playing that for Pamela and her being like, meh. Meh. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like your I like your harder stuff better. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not with you for the ballads, Dave. Dave. <laughs> um, they by the early '90s they had like rust in peace. Yes. Uh, exclamation point! That sells over a million copies. Like they've really so hit. they hit they hit for real. 
Um, but so does Metallica yes. with the Black Album, which is yes, like sells like a billion a copies. A billion copies. Um, but also he's he's irked by Billy Ray Cyrus actually has the number one album. Uh, I mean, I would be too. Yeah, he it was their album Countdown to Extinction. Uh, uh, oh, oh rest, does rest, rest in Peace does not have an exclamation point? That might just be my exclamation point. No, it point. just it that's just Rest in Peace, although the first track does is called Holy Wars dot 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 the punishment due. Great. Um he wrote Holy Wars the punishment due, I think because he felt bad about causing that Irish riot. <laughs> it, like it, there is a there's a line in it that's like people go overseas and like say things and whatever. <laughs> and, and sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Look, maybe maybe we don't uh, fully educate ourselves about uh, local religious factionalism before we shoot our mouths off in concerts. And, you know, it happens to anybody. Yeah. T- the, the troubles, talking about my troubles with dealing with, <laughs> with that yes. incident. Um, so, yeah, they, they've reached like kind of peak mainstream yeah. success. But obviously, God like damn. he looks, he Fucking looks at Metallica. Heart is such a shit song. Eighty Breaking Heart must have been the like, what? What's a, a completely overplayed, ridiculous song of the last like several years that uh, just like went on and on and on? Uh, Gangnam fuck, Style. <laughs> Gangnam Style. I mean, honestly, in terms of ubiquity, I don't know. Like the first thing that comes to mind is like Chandelier. Mm-hmm. But that song, I mean, that song's good. But it is also like when you've heard it the millionth time, you're like, I mean, I get what the this song is like. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, it, it, but that song is just so corny and fucking so bad. bad. That it's I can bad. imagine just like having the week that your album's supposed to hit and you just can't quite make it because fucking Billy Ray Cyrus and Achy Breaky yeah. Heart is occupying that number one spot yeah. wanting to break somebody's neck. Yes. And it what the I'll, worst the I'll, worst I'll part I'll break your fucking heart. I'll break your your achy breaky neck. Yes. Um the worst the worst part of that is that it was an incumbent number one. So it had been on the charts for like a several months. That song was- and so Megadeth was like, eh, no. <laughs> can't quite, can't quite crest God it. Damn it. But uh, re Metallica. So Dave finally, like, he's taken a little emotional journey over the course of this book, right, and right. he basically he finally gets to like the nugget of his resentment mm-hmm. and bitterness, which is he said, "You had to be there to understand what it was like to feel like you're changing the world, and then to have it pulled out from under you, and to see and hear reminders of what might have been every single day for the rest of your life. And you know, you just fucking know." Whatever you accomplish, somehow it will never be quite good enough. That was me. Oh, no. I totally understand it. Yeah. Having to live in the shadow of something as big as Metallica, mm-hmm. one of the like largest cultural products of the last 30 or 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. That fucking sucks. And I have tremendous sympathy for that. He still created this huge band. Yes. And well, one of the biggest metal bands yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. And it's just nothing ne- even near in comparison to yeah it. yeah yeah sucks. so sucks man I feel, I, I, I feel bad it. like I think it's one of those things that on a superficial level you would hear it and be like oh come on Dave shut up but like that's a that's it's I think it's traumatic and it can poison your brain for decades which is what happened to him um, but it seems like he he's in a better place uh, at this point so we get toward the tail end of the book. He he's struggling with sobriety. He does the classic second addiction of rock stars, which is Valium. Yes. Um, seems like everyone does a shitload of heroin, yeah, yeah. gets yeah, off well, heroin. Well, heroin's and they're like, a, a young man's game. When you mature a little bit, you put away childish things and mm-hmm. pick up a more sophisticated uh, drug yeah. like prescription pills. Yeah. Yeah. A, cla- uh, a good old fashioned benzo. Yeah. Um, he he overdoses on Valium 
And the physician whose care he is in when he emerges from that is like a, a weird quack and convinces Dave to buy his house. <laughs> he devotes like a few pages just to like, this. Uh, like, uh, especially these like 80s rock guys when we do, it is just like this w- world that they're in where like literally everyone they interact with for decades at a time is like some kind of weird grifter yeah. or a dr- dr- drug dealer yeah. or uh, somebody like, I don't know, like a real estate doctor for some reason. Yeah. Everyone's got an angle to go back once again. Sorry. I just feel like Tweety and this are interesting mirror yeah, images yeah. because like for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. Tweety. But I don't. Uh, oh, I didn't mention this in the podcast. One of the doctors that he worked with on his way back from yeah. prescription pill addiction. Was, when he. Went there to get back again. When he went there to get back again, was um, he basically said, your mood disorders, your anxiety and depression are good for creativity. Don't take antidepressants. Lean into that shit. And also, hey, do you think I could come on tour with Wilco? <laughs> and he's like, that's when I knew. Like, he, he was with him for a while. And then he's like, oh, when he started angling to come on tour with us, that's when I realized that he was a fraud. The archetype of grifter doctor is one that is like speci- specifically uh, <laughs> menacing. And it does, it yeah. is something that comes up. Like, people get like these weird doctors, like Michael Jackson's doctor, yeah. who are like, I can use doctoring to like get an angle on that person. It's one of the most like sinister yeah. archetypes of uh modern world. And uh, I hate them and they should yeah. be punished. Well, it, I mean to take it to that level is like Larry Nasser, the, yes, exactly. um, the g- gym- gymnast doctor yes. who abused hundreds of women. Like, yeah, there's something ha- being a doctor yeah. puts you in a position of implicit trust that can be exploited yeah. like and crazy. I mean, Nasser is obviously like the far end of evil for this, but even like this mistaken example of like a guy who is helping you heal heal. And also maybe you want to think about buying my house Yeah, is like, even that there's there's something particularly I find that particularly loathsome of the many types of different grifters. Yeah. Yes. Ugh, creepy. Um he so he's popping in and out of rehab some more and he basically talks about how he has like a rehab shtick <laughs> where he he'll say he'll come up and say like hi I'm Dave Mustaine. I'm a recovered addict and an alcoholic. Uh, but I mean, I'm more like a dope seeking missile. For those of you who have done inner child work, well, I have an inner weasel. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to describe it. I know that feeling of inner weasel, the, the weasel that's trying to trick yourself to do bad things. Yeah. Yeah. That weasel is just like, I on. hate that weasel. Come on, Dave. Come on, Dave. Let's fucking go. Or just, I was like trying to uh, subvert, like, yeah, get, get, get around, <laughs> snake around Dave himself to go do the things that Dave doesn't even want to do. Stop it, weasel. Yes. Stop it. Um, I feel like inner child work must have fallen off uh, the favor of therapy yeah. at some point. Cause I feel like I don't really hear about yeah. that much anymore, but I bet in the, in the mid nineties, it was huge. Uh, he he just goes out of his way to mention that touring with Aerosmith sucked, <laughs> <laughs> and that no one, no one, no one seems to like touring with Aerosmith. They every multiple artists have said that they don't let you sound check. They don't let you like you don't get like access to good stuff backstage. Like you're very much treated like a second class, class citizen. citizen. Wait, didn't Aerosmith give Guns and Roses their luggage though? Yes. Slash would be the one person to say Aerosmith, great. Good, Still use that Halliburton suitcase <laughs> yes, yes. after all these years. Um, but yeah, no, between Aerosmith and the Rolling Stones, I feel like everyone is like, those are the shittiest, like fussiest bands yes. to open for. And also notably fussy uh, Metallica. Yes. Who have to tour with their own power generators because they don't want to use city grids. 
Wow, interesting. Yeah. Was okay. that in some kind of monster? You watched that recently. Uh, yeah, I might have missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of drifting in and out of consciousness for, for some kind of monster. Speaking of some kind of monster, um, the he Dave says he participates in the because he's she shows up pretty early in the doc talking yeah, about the, the exact sort yeah, of yeah. Uh, pain that he experienced because obviously Metallica were trying to work through their own deep seated issues yes. with a therapist and this he said the reason that he did the doc was uh, maybe it was it had something to do with the vulnerability that followed nine eleven <laughs> add that to the nine eleven the the musical uh, takes on nine eleven yeah. So that's 9-11 made 9/11 me feel... 9 just really put me in a space where I wanted to talk about Metallica. <laughs> Sit in front of a camera, talk about Metallica. Yeah. Um, another another bingo item for you is that uh, as Megadeth continues to chug along, people are shuffling in and out. He's getting more annoyed with people uh, for wanting to wheedle their way into songwriting credits or uh-huh. other ways of making money besides like a tour salary. Yes. And he says, as a result of all this, I made a mental note that Megadeth had changed forever. We were now... First and foremost, a business entity. Yes. He said there it, it is. He the most explicit acknowledgement of that uh that we have. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know what? The thing is is that uh he is he is more powerful for it for being able to identify that mm-hmm. himself and not uh realize that he not not realize that he is in a business that he's trying to treat like a family, but yes. rather be in a thing that is a business. Yeah. I mean it it really does sound like Megadeth is has never been a business as much as like or a, a band or a family as much as Dave Mustaine's like, again, like one man, 30 year <laughs> project to make himself as famous a metal guy as possible. Yes. Yes. There's no, there's not a lot of like, oh, we went through so much, but like at the end of the we day, we together. were brothers. Yeah. No, absolutely and, and not. just the flow of the riffs between, it's like, no, I write all the fucking songs because only I know how good I, know I can how- make them to try to defeat Metallica. Yes. Yeah. Don't don't you dare try to write a song. Your songs are trash. My songs are good. My I am Megadeth. I am Megadeth. I have become Megadeth, destroyer of riffs. <laughs> Thank you for that. That was very good. Um, but Me- Megadeth's sound is changing as we get into yes. the just horribly awkward period of the late '90s for every rock oh, band. Yeah. Every every band seems to have a, a complete existential crisis at the yeah. turn of the millennium. Uh, and Megadeth's response to that is to go sort of um, pop pop metal and even synth pop disco okay can you give me a, a track so let's listen to crush him do you know crush him i do not crush him was written specifically as a a oh no is it payan or payan 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 to hockey and hockey fans oh hell yes dave mustaine was trying to write a hockey anthem, anthem. so let's see if he succeeded oh fuck yes Oh, mm. this, this disco bass, not something you hear about. Oh, it's like explicitly about hockey. <laughs> Step up now, we're in for a ride. If he says ice in this, I'm going to go crazy. This is war, ain't no falling games. We get up. Oh man. Fuck yes. You 
imagining Dave sitting alone in a room for hours on end just thinking about hockey and this is <laughs> this is what comes out. I, I would like to state that he did not mention the word hockey before this moment. <laughs> and so I don't know why. I, I guess we don't have to think about why. Yeah. He just wanted just, to write a hockey anthem. He wanted to he, write something that was going to sound and, amazing, pumped through a chilly arena. <laughs> and all we can do is evaluate him on his own terms. Did he accomplish that? I don't know. I've not heard this in a hockey arena. <laughs> I haven't either, although maybe we have and we haven't realized yeah. it. He did say that it... It, it hit uh, the hockey yes. it hit the target it demo the hockey of, of uh, hockey fans yes. of drunk Canadians I, I would also like to point out that there are two back to back tracks on this album called time colon the beginning and then time colon the end cool yeah good very good yes. <laughs> that, that about covers it time the middle yes. no no not worth thinking about um <laughs> I just what what artists were we talking about? With it, they did a sort of like ill-advised hip hop album or hip hop song. Was it Aerosmith? Maybe it was so. And I no Aerosmith did a well-advised hip hop song. Oh with, yes, uh, Run DMC with Run Walk DMC. Um, I I can't remember what it was, but I know there's been stuff that we've liked from artists that like yeah, yeah. everyone thinks it's bad. Oh, uh, and they uh, think it's bad. The guy from a uh, Thin Lizzy. Yes, yes, the Thin Lizzy. Where we were like, no, this is good. Yeah. I think that I think Cresham, it seems like Dave is ultimately kind of walking back his desire to do that song. But but yeah, it's fine. It's groovy. Yeah, I appreciate his in experimentation. A, a nice essay from a band. By the way, speaking of uh, 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 Thin Lizzy, I was just sitting at, waiting in a bar last night, um, waiting to meet some friends and fucking Jailbreak came on. And I was like, God damn it. This song fucking owns. I could sit here alone drinking and listening to Jailbreak for hours. Wow. And be super happy. That's powerful. Yeah. Tonight there's going to be a jailbreak somewhere Some, in this town. Do, is it the jail? Probably, probably in the jail. But you know what? <laughs> you what know. is jail? What is jail? What uh, is jail? Everything is a prison. Every it's the Foucaultian take on uh, Thin Lizzy's jailbreak. Jailbreak in your in your mind, I guess. Yes. Okay, so finally we make it back to the numb arm. The numb arm. The numb arm comes from a, a Which surprisingly is not the name of a, a Megadeth song. Oh, it should be. Uh, he's in rehab. He is kind of this is this is the low point of the moving target of low points. Yes. And he's he's in rehab. He calls Pam, Pamela, Pam, and like lashes out at her, like basically says, like, I hate you, I hate our kids. He's had two kids at this point, including uh Justice spelled J U S T I S, which sure. is fine. Justy. Justice and Electra. Wow. Yeah. Good I mean, solid names, solid metal solid names. Solid names. Um he yeah he basically like lets loose a, a verbal barrage of of anger toward Pamela and she promptly files for separation oh, no. is like get the fuck out like I've dealt with too much, um so he that that's the real low point. Dave finds a uh, a sponsor a sobriety sponsor he finally connects with who's a guy with like an eye patch. You know. Again, he has to find a guy that he can allow himself to respect. Yes, and he's like, "This guy, has uh, been through yes, it. Well, I, eye patch guy is somebody that I can deign to uh, to give yield some authority in my life too." Yes, um, so he that that's kind of the turning point, and then he um, eventually finds Jesus Christ. He does. He accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord I and did, Savior. I honestly did not see that coming. I did not think that he would become a Jesus guy. Me neither. And this is where he's not the 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 arc is good. Yeah, in that he doesn't really ex when he talks at the beginning about Jehovah's Witnessing and also black magic I didn't think that we were going to end with a born again narrative yeah. but here we are 
And he get he gets born again. He's born again. Um, he said his rationale was, I've tried everything else. What have I got to lose? Sure, I'll turn my life over to you. Why not? My life sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it, it does make it easy when you have when you feel no value in your life to, uh, you know, give it entirely to a, a, a spiritual entity. And you feel nothing in your arm as well. Yes. Got that numb arm. Is, is there any explanation for the numb arm? He well, like what happened? Like he yeah. draped it over a chair and it like, just, like it, fell it's like fell asleep and did not wake up. Um, which is apparently like a serious, this happened as well to, um, the guy sparkle horse, Mark Lincoln. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that happened to him when he was, um, I believe intoxicated. He woke up and like his, he, his leg or something. Anyway, just a PSA to everyone. Be careful how you sleep. (laughs) Watch out for your limbs. Watch out for your limbs. We don't, we only get, most of us get four (laughs) of them. Yes. And usually two arms, two, two legs. Yes. No, not always, but most of the time. So, so be careful because you only have one spare of each. Keep it secret. Keep, keep it, it safe. safe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. D- Dave, Dave's finds Jesus and his closer is basically like, Hey, you know what actually matters in life? Family, friends and love. Does he stay with Pamela in the end? Pamela. They patch things up. Pamela sees the, the conversion and is like, all right, I'm back in. Back in. Just when I thought I was out. I wanted that, that sweet three way with Jesus. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, he, you know, it sounds like he's, he's been sober ever since and he's, and this was in like the late 2000s, yeah. um, like 2007 or eight. I mean, Megadeth has a show coming up. Oh yeah. You should read that tweet that you just found before the, we started the show. Oh yeah. I was just like checking out what it, like what's up with, um, yeah, he, he, Mustaine's playing Madison square garden on Tuesday. He's doing pretty okay. Yeah. He's, he's chilling. Um, he's, he's in a, a, a little Twitter war with ultimate guitar as in <laughs> yes. the tablature site. Cause I guess they published some sort of news about him. Uh, yes, it, it, they posted a headline that was like time Dave Mustaine, digital media, dying digital media, ultimate guitar also needs a digital media news arm. Oh God. Uh, um, he, they said Dave Mustaine says the label is demanding too many songs for a new Megadeth album. Uh, cool. I think they want 16 and then a link to their thing. And David Stane was like, you're a gossip rag. I'm canceling my membership. And they're like, oh, what what parts of the article do you find are gossip? Like we can retract and alter it. And he's like, it's pretty shitty. A tab site I learned to I joined to learn guitar parts and spoke highly about would post anything about any of its users. How desperate are you guys? The fact that you'll alter the parts that concern me is even worse. How do you say beat it in Russian? <laughs> That's what Dave Mustaine is up to these days. Uh, I got to say, it's actually pretty reassuring that a, a guitar guy like Dave Mustaine goes to Ultimate Guitar because, to be frank, I spent a lot of time on Ultimate Guitar mm-hmm. uh, getting uh, composing the little intro songs for the show. Yes. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I wish, I wish I could just listen to a song and know how to play it. But to know that Dave Mustaine is, <laughs> is deep enough into Ultimate Guitar to be yelling at them on Twitter uh, makes me feel pretty good about how I learn how to play songs. <laughs> Well, now he's not a member anymore. Oh, yeah, he quit. But I think that means he just goes back to the ad-supported version. <laughs> yes. Still going to use the site. I'm just going to make the experience less uh, convenient for yeah, myself. Yeah, I mean, what what are truly ultimate guitar is the ultimate guitar tablature <laughs> site. Like, what else is there? Uh, but what was the other one about get, getting the guy pizza? Oh, yeah, he tweeted at Brian Koppelman, the uh, co- co-creator and, and writer of uh, Showtime's Billions. 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 And he tweeted at him being... Uh, Brian Koppelman tweeted a promo to the new, the bi- yeah. new season of Billions. And Dave quote tweeted it and was like, hey, hey, B, congratulations. Like, I can't wait to watch the show. Uh, Want to get some pizza at Madison Square Garden when I play there with Ozzy Osbourne next week? And I love that because of the the amount of like, 
just the sheer amount of like humble bragging or like uh, side, side bragging, bragging in it because it's not only are you quote tweeting this being like love the show it's great it's so excited for being back but like quote tweeting it and in one tweet saying I know the creator of this show yes we should hang out yes when I'm at lowers glasses and looks over them Madison, Madison Square, Square Garden, Garden playing with takes glasses completely off. Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like four brags in twenty words. It's out. It's honestly masterful. Yes, it's like, oh hey, uh, uh, th- th- mine would be like, oh hey, Barefoot Contessa, congratulations on the new season. Wanna maybe make that chocolate cake together at my on my yacht parked in port of the port of Mallorca when I'm hanging yeah. out with Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, exactly. On Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a it's a wild it's a wild tweet. It's a wild ride. So, also, they 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 fuck with pizza at Madison Square Garden. Uh, the one time when we were there, we had some good snacks. We had good. Well, I I just figured they would get like a burger or some sort of you know wagyu mm, beef something. Wagyu beef burger. <laughs> uh, I just feel like the pizza. I don't know if anyone's had good pizza at MSG. Let us know. I just feel like it's. I don't. I don't know how so, it would be transcendent. Somebody please help us rate. The, all the food stuffs in MSG. We should go to an MSG concert just to go to all the food booths. And we should them. eat everything there and we would spend probably about $1,800. <laughs> how do you feel about Dave Mustaine? Oh, oh <laughs> wait, what, Dave? How do I feel about <laughs> him? Um, he, uh, I feel confused. <laughs> he's He's done a lot of work to mm-hmm. get himself where he is. I think he has some like unequivocally bad, like kind of old man opinions about stuff like, you know, men wearing makeup or whatever. Yeah, you said that he was also a hardcore libertarian. Yeah, he addresses his politics, which is basically like he says he he wants to be able to say what he wants to have like free speech. He wants to be able to carry a gun and he wants to and he thinks that everyone should treat each other the way they want to be treated. Okay, that's like his political philosophy. Well, (laughs) all right. I mean, the thing is, is that other than the gun thing, that's like the kind of thing that people say and you can kind of tell that that belies that they mean that you know disenfranchised people should should shut the fuck up yes um yeah the the idea of like wanting to you know tote your gun around wherever you want is i think the dave mustaine flavor of just being like i don't trust some people it's like maybe people who don't look like me yes exactly like who don't have as much money as i do yeah so why do you need that gun dave he's dave mustaine is the kind of person who would be like where where are you going with that gun he it's in the the lyric um in the P cells uh but who's buying he says uh tell me <laughs> tell me something it's still we the people right like I feel like he's the kind of person who's like I thought this was America land of the free <laughs> yes. you know what I mean like I feel like he believes in like American yeah, yeah. values not that that's like and you said he supported Rick Santorum in 2012 he he expressed support for the campaign of Rick Santorum in 2012. And then when people covered that as news of like Megadeth uh, founder, Dave Mustaine is supporting Rick Santorum. He goes, I didn't endorse him. Like I I look, I just said that he has good ideas that I like, and I'm planning on voting for him. I didn't endorse him. How how do you feel about him after hearing all this stuff about him? Well, mostly I'm just glad to learn about him because I knew that he was a, a big figure in, um, rock music and particularly metal music for a long time. And I, I just never really got into the whole, like, uh, you know, the, the, the story around Metallica and Megadeth and, 
you know, I, I know that these are big deal bands, them and uh, Slayer and yes. what, what is the other one of the big four? Uh, Anthrax. Anthrax. That they, they co- you know, compose the, the nexus of like mainstream heavy metal yes. over since it's like the 80s. So I'm, I, I'm a, I was excited to learn all about it. Yeah. I would say that it went predictably. Predictably. Yeah. We really checked. He checked off all, all the, boxes. the boxes. Yeah. This is a, a classic and intro story. Yes. And um, it's funny. The, down to the milk. D- down to the down to the goddamn milk in those stressing rooms. Hair metal. Yeah, we need thing. to find people who like worked at uh, yeah. a concert venue in the eighties and be like, tell was just milk on the ride. Eventually, when we do the and intro docu series and get to like sit down, uh, these <laughs> guys, uh, you know, we'll get like um, Joe Perry in front of us and mm-hmm. we'll just be able to ask, so like, so let's talk about touring in the eighties. What does milk? Mean, mean you, to you in this context. When I say milk, what do you think of? It's just a whole bunch of Rorschach tests, but everyone is just an inkblot uh, outline of a milk bottle. <laughs> oh my god! Um, uh, the the other thing I will, the last thing I will say, I think about this is that this book came out in August of 2010, and I was speaking with uh, uh, one of uh, our friends' friends uh, slash work compatriots. And we were talking about music memoirs, as I increasingly do these days. And we were talking about the phenomenon of all of these books coming out in the like 2010, 2011 range. Right, right. And a light clicked off in my head that I don't think we've talked about. This is recession. This is... Oh, these are, interesting. This is... It's not just, oh, I need to make money. It is, I need to make money right now, now because I my investments tanked yes in 2008 and 2009 very interesting so there must have been that year or couple of years for ghostwriters must have been the land of good and plenty because everybody had a story to sell that yeah. year yeah that's so, fascinating i'm sure it is like the uh the confluence of like people hitting the right age mm-hmm. from like 70s 80s 90s music guys yeah but you're right like a lot of these things have come out you know right in like that era yeah very good observation molly thank you the recession just it shapes it shapes everything and people i mean i feel like collectively as a society we all just like you know in a pop culture society we kind of pretend it doesn't exist but Mm -hmm. i feel like each individual knows deep down how deeply their lives were were shaped and affected by yes yes (laughs) yes yes and we get things like uh like all these books yeah and (laughs) i mean i still think that a lot of uh in a way that I don't care to elaborate on now, but I'm sure I'll think about more and elaborate on. I still think a lot of pop culture and music is shaped by uh, mm-hmm. the experiences over the last decade with it. Um, so yeah. Oh, well the one last question. Yes. How was this as a book? Entertaining. Entertaining. Yeah. He's got, he's got good jokes, good little digs. Yeah. yeah. It seems like he's, he's pretty funny with his own history of bitterness enough that it's not just like eye rolly how much he, he yeah. is chasing that bitterness dragon. Yes. He, he's aware of the, the horseshoe up his, up his ass. <laughs> the horseshoe up his ass. Yeah. Uh, I, I still like that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, move confidently into the end of this episode then. Great. Uh, the first thing I'd like to do is uh, address some listener mail. Ooh. Uh, I would like to shout out uh, listener Travis who just sent us a video we watched right before this uh, about uh, Post Malone visiting a rare guitar shop. <laughs> Uh, in which uh, Malone Posty shows off his uh, his uh, stock blues riffs on very very nice guitar yeah. and uh, very nervous uh, store execs 
or store guitar handlers look on uh, in warily as he manhandles a bunch of $10,000 guitars. It's amazing. Yeah. He, he plays guitars in positions that I have never seen a human play guitar in, but he looks so happy. I'm yeah. so delighted to be there. Yeah, I was saying he he just I don't think he understands the difference between uh like a a fancy vintage guitar shop and like guitar center. Yes. Like I think he's up in there like like it's guitar center. Yes. Just playing everything and everyone is like Here, let me if I put he's tuning it. He's tuning it. Oh my god. We usually only bring Vincent the tuner around every two weeks. <laughs> yes. Someone else besides Vincent is tuning this guitar. Uh, uh, shook. So uh, do you have any uh, business, Molly? I, I don't think I have any business. Yeah. All right. No that, business to attend no to. No business to attend to? Yeah. Great. Well, we can just go right into the end there. Uh, so thank you for listening. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter at andintropod mm. uh, or send us an email at andintroducingpod at gmail.com. Please send us emails. Well, I'll read them on yeah. air. I just did. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. And our SoundCloud is, as always, at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. Just uh, I haven't checked to see if we have new ratings or reviews, but, you know, give it a shot. But most of all, tell a friend. Yeah. Uh, I've actually seen several people tweeting at people on, yeah. on on Twitter that, hey, if you're looking for new pods, this is a great one. I consider that in the realm of telling a friend. That's telling a friend. Yeah. Do do some street team stuff. Tweet at, tweet at randos online that they should listen to our show. Hey, Tweeps. Do yeah. you like podcasts? Yeah. Tweet, Remember Tweeps? Tweeps. Tweet at celebrities. Uh, somebody tell Ariana Grande to listen to our show. The celebrities are listening. Yeah. Yeah. Get get, a, get us a celeb listener. Yeah. Get John Cusack to listen to the show. Jo- or Joan. Or Joe Cusack. Any of the Cusacks. Yeah. Get them to listen. Cusack family. Somebody t- tweet at a Cusack. They should listen to our show. If you love us, tweet at a Cusack. <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, so that's it. Um, we'll be back in another two weeks uh, with more stuff. We're lineups. I say this at the end of every episode, but I'm always just generally excited about the stuff we have coming up. So we have it's good programming. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, coming up, and we'll see you in another two weeks with another app of and introducing. Yeah.